in Matthew 6 on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, specifically, the section we've been in for the last few weeks is I've been calling it the, the Choosing Your Master. And in um, we'll be there in a minute. But um, British Prime Minister Herbert uh, Ask, Asquith once spent a weekend at the uh, Wadsden, Wadsden uh, Estates in the 19th century uh, uh, Rothschild family. <clears throat> One day Asquith was being waited on at tea time by the butler, and the following car- conversation took place. The, but- the butler asked the prime minister, tea, coffee, or peach from the wall, sir? Tea, please, said Asquith. China, India, or Ceylon, sir? Asked the butler. China, please. Lemon, milk, or cream, sir? Milk, please, said Asquith. Jersey, Hereford, or Shorthorn? <laughs> The, the point of this <laughs> is we have too many choices in our world today. Choices are something that uh, can a- a- absolutely consume us. Um, <clears throat> when I was a building contractor, uh, we would build homes for people, and uh, we, we would only paint three colors on the interior of the house. They had, they had a choice of uh, off-white, really, really light gray, or really, really light pink. That was it. That, that was their choices. Why do you think we did that? Exactly. Have you, have you ever looked at a, what they call a color, a color wheel? Yeah. Or, or, or uh, what, what they... Uh, they have these fans, a, a, a color fan, uh, and there's hundreds and hundreds of colors of white, you know, and 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 yeah, yeah, you know, you're just like so. So if you if you you know, Lawrence is here. He's done this a million times. Uh, if you were to take one of those fans and say, here, pick a color, people just look at you with this stare, like they're they don't know what to say. But if if you give them three choices, you got off-white, gr- light gray, or light pink. Oh, well, I want gray. The choices are a lot simpler. Choices today, uh, the, the, the fewer the choices, the easier it is to make choices. And... Uh, uh, here Jesus in, in, this, in this Sermon on the Mount, in verse 24, he simplifies life. And we've been talking about this for a few weeks, so everybody knows he simplifies it down to two choices. In verse 24, he said, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or or the wealth of this world. You cannot do it. It is impossible. Why? 
Anybody? Why can we not serve two masters? Why is Always, always. So, so as we've been kind of cruising through this this section of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, choosing your master, the first point we talked about was the result was either fear or freedom. We will either we will either have fear or we will have freedom in our choices. If we if we serve the world or or Mammon in this case. Then, 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 then uh, fear is what we will get if we serve God. Then freedom is what we will we we will get. Um, the next thing is the temptation uh, to be always something different, always wanting to be different. Are we not always looking to be something different? And um, uh, you know, taller, shorter, skinnier. You know, more hair, less hair. You, you know, it just, you know, it just, it never ends uh, with people today. Uh, and then the point number three that we talked about was the question, and uh, we talked about this last week. Why, why are you concerned? Why, you know, why? Uh, in verse 28, let, let's read verse 28. It says, "And uh, why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the fields, how they grow." how they toil not, neither do they spin. So in, in this verse, Jesus gives us three things con- to consider. Uh, how do they grow? Uh, uh, they uh, never uh, get tired, and a flower never has to work. And, um, and God, God takes care of them. And we talked about the four factors that if, if something needs to grow. That's water, uh, soil, or nutrients. Uh, air and sunlight, and then we compare that to ourselves and in God's uh, uh, capable hands. Uh, we uh, need for uh, human uh, to sustain life uh, is water, nu- nutrients, or food, uh, air and shelter. So God is more than capable of taking care of us. And the the biggest problem is we misunderstand the fact that. W- the difference between a need and a want. And um, uh, those are two totally separate things. Then the fourth thing that we talked about was trust me. And not, we're, we're getting to the, to the rest of the message. I just wanted to kind of go back and recap this very quickly. Uh, in verse 30, he says, Oh, ye of little faith. And I read this quote last week from uh, Oswald Chambers. He said, uh, Faith... Uh, for my deliverance is not faith in God. Faith means whether I am visible, uh, excuse me, visibly uh, delivered or not, I will stick to my belief that God is love. There are some things only learned in the fiery furnace. And, you know, that's when we, we talked last week about who are we going to serve. We In, in verse 24, it's very clear but then, what is the what is an adjective for serve, trust, and then who are we going to have faith in? Who who are we going to have faith in? Are we going to have faith in the things of this world, or are we going to have faith in God? That that's really what it boils down to. So that's kind of where we left off last week. <clears throat> so 
uh, this evening. We're going to look at point number five, uh, the declaration, the declaration. Let's read in verse 31. It says, Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall ye eat, or what shall ye drink, or whether shall ye be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth <clears throat> that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God <clears throat> and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you again for this day and for your love. Thank you for your patience with us. And Lord, we ask that you would speak to our hearts through your word tonight that you would help us to draw closer to you because of our time together tonight. Help us, dear God, to walk with you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. In these three verses, 31 to 33, we see three different declarations that Jesus makes uh, to the crowd that he's talking to. The first declaration that that he makes here is, Take no thought. Take no thought. And this idea of taking no thought goes way beyond not worrying. He does, did you notice Jesus say, don't, he he doesn't say, don't worry about the things of tomorrow. What does he say? Take no thought. Don't even think about it. See, in order to, in order to worry about something, do we, I mean, it's kind of logical here, but do we not have to have a thought? Okay? But Jesus is going beyond don't worry. He's saying don't even think about it. It should not even be a thought to worry. We shouldn't have to stop ourselves from worrying because we shouldn't even be thinking about it. That's a powerful statement. Take no thought. Take no thought. Now, I, I want to I ask you a question. I want you to stop and think about this question. What has God promised to supply in your life? All our needs. Okay? I mentioned it a minute ago. There's a huge difference between our needs and our wants. Is, there, is, is that not correct? Okay? Huge difference. Look at verse 32. For all these things do the Gentiles seek. John Phillips wrote this. The things that God knows we need and that he has promised to provide for us when all is said and done, they are just things. Think about it. They're just things. God has promised to provide our needs. What are our needs? Food, clothing, shelter, and water. They're just things. And we we say, what is shelter? You know, 4,000 square foot house with a pool in the back. Okay, that's shelter, right? 
No, we don't need that. But, but I like what he says. Even though God has promised to give us all of our needs, it's still just stuff. It's just stuff. Now, I've talked about this a few times, but it is just so prevalent in my thinking right now just because of having to deal with my mom's estate and everything. I'm just tired of stuff. I'm just tired of it. And and I, I want to rent a dumpster and have it dropped in my driveway and just get rid of everything that, except my tools. That's not that's not stuff. Those are tools. Tools tools don't count as stuff, okay? <laughs> right, Brian? <Amen. laughs> no, but what do we do? We keep all this stuff. When when we were getting ready for the estate sale, my wife very wisely su- suggested that we go through the attic and get some of the stuff out of the attic to put in the cell to get rid of it. And so I started crawling through the attic and I'm pulling stuff out of the attic and she's down there going, where did we get that? I don't even I don't even know, didn't know we even had that. How many of y'all ever been there? I mean, we had stuff in our attic and we're like, where did this stuff come from? Yeah, we yeah we no clue where it came from, but it, it just it's just it's just stuff. It's just stuff. And when Jesus says, "Take no thought," in essence, what is he saying? Trust me. Trust me. If if you truly trust me, not only will you not worry about things but you won't even think about worrying about things. It won't even be a thought because you're going to trust me. The the second declaration he makes in verse 32. Look at verse 32. For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. So the second declaration is don't live like the unsaved. Don't don't fret over the the things that you quote unquote need. They the the unsaved live in a world that <clears throat> they are constantly having to work so that they can buy food and 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 pay for their all their stuff it's a it's a it's a vicious cycle now god is not telling us to go out and quit our jobs and sit up on top of a mountain and he'll just provide all our needs that's not what he's saying i hope you understand that but what he's saying is you, you just don't need to worry about it and you should not have a desire to live beyond your means The people of the world struggle with what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink, what they're going to wear. 
it's an amazing thing that people struggle with some of the most basic things. As I, as I was thinking about it, our, our society has changed a little bit in 2,000 years. And Jesus talks about you know, what you should wear and, and drink and eat and all that. But I, you know, in our society today, we, we worry about what we drive, do we not? We've got to have the latest and greatest. My dad used to have a, 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 this theory that a car is good for one thing getting him from point A to point B. And he didn't care what it looked like or how it ran. He didn't care. Why? Because it was just a thing. It was a car. But man, we gotta I I <clears throat> you know cars today, man, they, they do everything for you. I was I was on my way out to the prison last Monday and I passed a guy in a Tesla eating his lunch. <laughs> with both hands. He's eating a sandwich. <laughs> Going to town on a sandwich. And the car's driving itself. Good grief, man. That's scary. Where we live. The house that we live in. Everybody's got to have a nice house. But one of the things that I think people today struggle with probably more than anything else is what other people think about them. Peer pressure is a real thing. And we, we tend to think of peer pressure is something only teenagers deal with. But it's something adults deal with. We just, we just call it different things. <clears throat> How many of you heard, ever heard of a guy named Dave, Dave Ramsey? Okay, Dave Ramsey wrote this article and uh, it, the, the title of the article is actually a question. He says, tired of keeping up with the Joneses? You've met them before. Actually, they're <clears throat> the family living like no one else, only a few houses down from yours. Mr. Jones drives a Bentley. Mrs. Jones drives a Mercedes. Their house is picture perfect. Picture perfect. Their yard is the best in the neighborhood. Their children are so uh, polite, they make the Von Trapp kids look like heathens. <laughs> if you don't know who the Von Trapp kids are, see me later. <clears throat> greatest movie ever, I think. Well, not the greatest, but it's a good one. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, the Joneses are the envy of so uh, social uh, media. They throw the best parties drive the nicest cars, have the biggest uh, uh, TVs in their living rooms, uh, sports and the latest uh, smartphones, and go on the most Instagram-worthy vacations. I didn't know that was a thing. Okay, I'll take your word for it. <clears throat> but the question is, how can they afford it? And even more important, is life just about keeping up with the Joneses? Then he makes a statement here. I've heard it in various ways, but I like what he said. He says, we want what we don't have to impress people we probably don't even like. In the world today, 
a fancy car and a big house are standards of success. But is that really what it's all about? And I, I, I let me read, reread what I, I like what he said. We want what we don't have to impress people we probably don't like. <clears throat> and that is so true. We, I, I see it all the time. People that go into debt, buy things, and, and, and they're so far into debt. But what do they do? They, hey, they've got the nice cars. I know somebody, a family. There's only two drivers in the family. They have five cars. I'd hate to pay their insurance bill. It's crazy. But Jesus here cuts to the quick. He gives us two choices. Who are we going to serve? In this verse, see, in verse 32, He says, don't live like the world. Don't try to impress other, other people. Just trust God that He will meet the needs. The birds and the flowers uh, in the fields, they, they don't worry where their nutrition is coming from. You know, I've never, I've never once seen a wild animal standing at the entrance of the freeway, standing there saying, please feed me. You know? <laughs> we should get a big stuffed bear and stick a sign out there and say, please feed me and see what happens. You know? I've never seen it. Why? Because God takes care of all that. Years ago... <clears throat> God taught me a lesson in learning how to trust Him. And He used my son to do that. Some of you know our son Tim, and, but uh, he lives in South Carolina now. But uh, Tim, when he was just a little guy, um, we had, a, we had, had a, a bunch of missionaries at our church. We, it was called a missions conference. And we had a bunch of missionaries, and and the, the pastor preached on missions and and uh, giving and so on and so forth. And Tim was what about six, eight or nine? Okay, he's about eight or nine. Um, and <clears throat> Tim comes to me and he says, he says, Dad, he says, I I wanna I wanna commit to giving to missions uh, this year, and I wanna give twenty dollars a month. Dude, you don't even have a job. That's what I said to him. I said, I said, buddy, I said, you, you don't even have a job. He's like, he's like, that's okay. Uh, and I said, where are you going to get the money? And this is what he said to me. And 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 this is what God God used a a, a young boy to to really get to me. And this is he looked at me, and he said this. He says, what? God can't give it to me so that I can give it to the church? And I'll tell you what, that little guy paid $20 a month for that entire year. And it taught his dad what faith is about. Because God provided every single dollar. 
I'll be honest with you. I, I think he had, what, two, about two months in the bank. He had about 40 or 50 bucks in the bank. And so he had the first two months covered. He knew he had two months covered. But the rest of it, he didn't know. But God provided every single dime, plus some. But when he looked at me, he said, what? God can't give me the money for me to pay it? Man, I felt like I was about that big. Faith. Faith. The third declaration that he makes. Verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The third declaration is get your priorities right. Get your priorities right. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Getting your priorities right is absolutely critical in making the right choices. Because really, all everything after verse 24 is helping us understand how we can make the best choice in verse 24. Verse 24 basically saying, who are you going to serve? You're either going to serve or you're going to have faith in or you're going to trust in God or you're going to trust or have faith in the things of this world. Who are you going to, who are you going to do it? And he's saying here in verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. And if you will do that, who, are you, who will you trust in? You'll trust in God. The thought that we should be trusting in God first should motivate us to make right and good good decisions. Let me ask you a question. What causes you to fret? Don't don't say it. Don't just. But I want you to think about this. What causes you to fret and to worry? Everybody is different. But what causes you to fret and worry? What causes you to, to, to trust? There's a common saying amongst Christians that I think is, is oftentimes overused. Uh, and whenever we overuse something, uh, it becomes uh, a cliche, if, if you would. But the, 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 the phrase that we often overuse uh, is this, uh, I'm putting God first in my life. Or in our counseling to other people, we'll say something to the effect of, you need to put God first in your life. And, and we say that, and it sounds really good, does it not? But what does it mean? It means, verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. See, God has to be our priority. All of these things. 
if we seek Him first, I don't want my life to become a cliche. I want my life to become an example. As I thought about it, I thought of a biblical example of somebody who put put their their life first. Who who lived verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And as I as I as I meditated on that verse, I, one person popped into my head. And we don't even know her name. Anybody want to take a guess who I'm talking thinking about? Nobody? But when I start reading, you'll know immediately who I'm talking about. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 10. And he, that being Elijah, arose. You, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, okay. And he arose and went to Zarephath, and he came into the gate of the city. Behold, the widow woman was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And, and uh, as she was going to fetch it, he called her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but an handful of meal in a barrel, and a little bit of oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me, therefore, a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thy make uh, for thee and thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. Was Elijah being selfish in, in his command to this woman? It, it could come across as though he is being selfish and saying, no, 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 feed me first. But literally, what is Elijah saying to the woman? Trust God. Put God first in your life. And watch God do amazing things. And then, and then she does exactly that. She goes and she, she makes the cake and, and the barrel lasts until the drought ends. And the oil lasts. And her and her son survive the drought. Why? Because she trusted the man of God. And she put God first in her life. And so often in our lives, it is so easy for us to get so consumed with the, the things of this world. And I don't mean going and getting things. I'm just saying the pressures of the world and, and all the things that are going on. And we lose sight of who God is. 
And we fail sometimes to put Him first in our lives. Sometimes it's because of peer pressure. Sometimes it's just because of uh, work pressure. Sometimes it's, I mean, we could go on and on and on naming different scenarios, but and it doesn't change anything. When we don't put God first, it affects our lives. And Jesus is telling his, his audience here, hey, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What are the things that shall be added unto you? New cars? New big houses? No. No. All of your needs. Everything you need will be supplied if you will but seek God first. Point number six is my final point, and we're actually probably going to finish a little early this evening, which is which is good, I guess. Uh, it's a nice evening to, to, to head home. But um, the, the number six, the, the summation. And uh, this is not a normal word for me, but when I was typing this all out, that's what popped into my head. So that's, I, I'm like, man, I didn't even know I knew that word. That's, that's pretty cool. <clears throat> the summation. And, and, and Jesus really, in verse 34, he kind of ties up his, his current thought in verse 34. And he says this, he says, Take therefore, because everything that he has said, take therefore no thought for tomorrow. For, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Worrying about tomorrow only robs you of your joy today. That is a common phrase that is uh, I, I hear people say all the time, but it's true. I, I, I read another one. I thought this is more of a spiritualization of that, that saying. Uh, it says, uh, it robs us of our joy and effective... Oh, no, no. Um, Okay, here it is. Uh, the average person is crucified, uh, is crucifying himself between two thieves: the regret of yesterday and the worries of tomorrow. I, I like that. Kind of spiritualizing, you know, what's going on. And, and we do this. We we are we crucify ourselves, worrying about the things of yesterday and tomorrow. And I, I like what Paul says. You know what? <clears throat> this one thing I know, forgetting those things who are which are behind, I pressed forward to. Uh, anyway, I just I just messed it up. I press I pressed toward the mark of the prize of hug. What is Paul saying? You know what? I don't live in the past. And so often, so often, we live in the past. And God says, don't live in the past. Learn from the past. Don't go there again. But don't live there. Why? Because, because it steals our joy and effectiveness. And it causes us to worry about tomorrow. It's right to plan for the future. It's even right 
to save for the future. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8, but, uh, if, uh, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of, the ho- of, of his own household, he hath denied the faith, and is wor- worse than an infidel. We're supposed to work and, and plan for the future, but it shouldn't consume us. It shouldn't be the thing that we, we get consumed about. But it's wrong to worry about the future. I know people that worry about failure in the future. They live in a they live in a world of what if. Well, but pastor, what well what if this happens? Then then this is gonna happen and this is gonna happen and then and then the next thing you know I, you know blah blah and, and it goes on and on and on. But the, the whole premise of their worrying about the future starts with a, well, what if this happens? Do you realize that less than 20% of what, on average, less than 20% of what people worry about actually come to fruition? Less than 20%? Psychologists and psychiatrists are getting rich off of people that worry about stuff that will never happen. As we close this section of the Servant on the Mount, there are three words that I want to kind of go back and and really kind of drill down on for just a second here. The first word we see in verse 30, and is the word faith. Oh, ye of little faith. Oh, ye of little faith, trust in God to meet our needs. You know, I don't know about you, but I, 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 at least at this point in my life, I don't worry a lot about meeting the Lord. Does that make sense? Except for one thing. Paul's desire was for him, was for the Lord to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I would love to hear that, but do you know the one thing that I am fearful of? Him saying, Rick, oh, you have little faith. I could have done so much more. That's the one thing that, that I am fearful of. Oh, you have little faith. Verse 32, so we see the word faith in verse 30. In verse 32, we see the word Father. For your heavenly Father knoweth what needs of all these things. He is the source of everything blessing, every blessing that we have. We talked about that Saturday morning at our men's Bible study. He is the source of So we have faith, we have Father, and then in verse 33, the word first. Getting our priorities right. Getting our priorities right. If we have faith in the Father and put Him first, He'll meet every need that we have. 
It's really that simple. It's not complicated. Living, living for God is not complicated. It is really pretty simple. And Jesus here in the Sermon on the Mount is very simply asking a question in verse 24 and then explaining that question from verses 25 to 33. We see it. In verse 24, he says, No man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't do it. So which one are you going to serve? I can't make the choice for you. Even if I could, I wouldn't. We all have to make the choice. Who are you going to serve? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do. And Lord, I am so thankful and so grateful for all that you do in our lives. Help us, dear God, to draw close to you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right.